Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I want to thank you for listening. Now, we have on this site over 3,300 audios featuring great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea and other lands, Bible studies. Now you can go to Play Store and download the Church One app. Church One, that's all one word, Church One app for sermon audio. Uh, you can go to Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Uh, just enter Hackberry House as your choice of broadcasters, I hope. And then my books are on Amazon.com. You can contact me at bob.j.falconer.72 at gmail.com. Please uh, also check out Hackberry Radio. Just go to hackberryhouseofchosun.com, all one long word, hackberryhouseofchosun.com, and take a look and a listen. I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor by William Gurnall. He was the English Bible scholar and pastor who died in 1679. We're in that fourth consideration of his great three-volume work. I don't know how many volumes it was when he first wrote it, but it's three volumes now, and it's the I'm reading from the modernized abridgment of that Puritan classic. And... Uh, Here's a consideration regarding your position to be maintained in the fight, the spiritual fight, and that is stand in your own place. Do not usurp another's place. Now, to stand implies proper rank, order, and station for each soldier as, as opposed to disorder. When soldiers unaccountably break rank, their captain shouts, Stand! Military discipline allows no one to stir from his proper place without special reason. It should be the concern of every Christian to stand in order in his assigned place. The devil's method is first to rout and then to ruin. Order presupposes company. One who walks alone cannot break rank. Therefore, the Christian's place and rank correspond to the company in which he walks. As a Christian, you must relate to a threefold society, community, church, and family. Each has ranks and places. In the community, there are public servants and private citizens. In the church, there's pastor and layman, officers and members of the congregation. In the family, parents and children, husband and wife. The welfare of these societies depends upon every wheel turning smoothly in its place and everyone performing his duty for the benefit of the whole. Three things are necessary for a person to stand in order. First, he must understand the particular duty of his place. Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. What good will it do to ask the way to York if you are headed toward London? Yet how prone we are to inquire into another's way and work while neglecting our own. Some Christians, for instance, spend more time fretting about what the minister should do than praying for God's direction in their own lives. It is not in knowing another's duty nor in judging his neglect of it, but in fulfilling our own duty that we will come safely through the conflict. And how can we do our duty unless we know it? Solomon showed the greatest proof of his wisdom when he asked God for wisdom to fulfill his duty. 
Second, once we know the duty of our place, we must conscientiously attend to it. Paul's charge to Timothy applies to every Christian. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them. That is, devote yourself to performing your duty in the place and calling God has given you. The very power of godliness lies in such consecration. Religion, which has no practical impact on our daily lives, quickly becomes a vague, abstract notion that amounts to nothing. Yet many have nothing more than an empty profession to prove they are Christians. They're like the cinnamon tree, whose outer bark is more valuable than all else that remains. The Apostle speaks of such people in his letter to Titus. He said in Titus 1.16, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. What is meant by good works becomes clear in the following chapter, that's Titus 2, verses 2 to 8, where the Apostle presents the duties which Christians ought to perform. A good Christian but a nagging wife, a godly man but a negligent father, uh, these are contradictions that cannot be reconciled. The, the man who does not walk uprightly in his own house is nus- nothing more than a, a hypocrite at church. If you're not a Christian in your shop, you're not a Christian in your closet, even though you may pray there. If your faith founders in one way, it cannot flourish in any other. Some professing Christians fail in their duties toward their fellow men while maintaining an outward show of worship to God. Others falter in acts of worship while seeming to be steadfast in their duties to their fellow man. Both inconsistencies are destructive to the soul. The soldier who stands in order is conscientious toward the whole duty that lies on him in regard to both God and man. Third, to stand in order means we must stay within the bounds of our place and calling. The Israelites were commanded every man to pitch by his own standard. This meant they were to be arranged in order, as in a military formation. God allows no stragglers in his army of saints. As the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. You must walk in the path which your call prescribes for you. The apostle commands you to do your own business, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Just as the general's business is not the private's, so the minister's is not the congregation's. Do not forget, that which is justice in a judge's action is murder in another's. Paul says we are to tend with all diligence everything that comes within the scope of our particular calling. Beyond this, we are tilling someone else's field. What a quiet world we would have if everything and every person knew his own place. If the sea kept its place, we would have no inundations. If men had kept theirs, we would not have seen such floods of sin and misery as have almost drowned this present age. It must be a strong river bank indeed that can contain our fluid spirits within their proper boundaries. Peter himself was scolded sharply for prying into that which was not his affair. What is that to thee? Christ said to him, John twenty-one twenty-two. In other words, Peter, 
tend to your own business. This does not concern you. Someone has surmised that this sharp rebuke caused Peter later to denounce this sin in the strongest terms, ranking the busybody among murderers and thieves, 1 Peter 4, 15. Well, now we have five considerations to persuade all to stand, to fix every Christian in his place and persuade him to stand without breaking rank. I offer the following considerations. They must carry weight with us if we say that we accept the authority of Scripture in directing our thoughts and actions. Number one, you lose God's approval when you leave your appointed place to work outside your calling. Why? Because you cannot do it in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It cannot be done in faith because you have no call. God will not thank you for doing that which He did not commission you to do. Perhaps you had good intentions. So had Uzzah when he steadied the ark. And yet we see that God smote him there for his error. Saul himself gave an impressive excuse for offering a sacrifice, but he was out of his appointed place, and God rejected him for it. It is not enough to ask, what shall I do? You must also ask, who is telling me to do it? To be sure, God will at last put that question to you, and it will be in your own best interest to show that your commission was from him. To be occupied with anything which is not your duty means you are neglecting that which is your task. The spouse in the Song of Solomon confesses, They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. She could not mind others' vineyards and her own too. You cannot expect to honor God by leaving the work He assigns you and doing something of your own choosing instead, no matter how worthwhile it may seem. Suppose a teacher asked a returning truant, why he had been absent from school. And the wayward pupil replied that he had been in the blacksmith's shop, lending a hand there. Would this be a satisfactory excuse? Of course not. His business was to be in school, not in that shop. Number two, you lose God's protection when you ignore his restrictions as to place and calling. The promise is to keep them in all thy ways. Keep thee in all thy ways. Psalm ninety-one, eleven. When you go out of your way, you go from under his wing. The Apostle Paul says it like this, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. First Corinthians 7. Mark that phrase, abide with God. If you love to walk in God's company, you must abide in your own place and calling. Every step in a different direction is a departure from Him. How much more blessed to stay at home in a humble place and low calling and there enjoy God's sweet presence than to go to a sumptuous palace and live without Him. Truly, when you are in any place or about any work to which you are not called, you may be sure God is not in that place or enterprise. And what a bold adventure it is to stay where you cannot expect his presence to assist or protect. In doing the duty of our place, we have heaven's word for our security. But if we wander, we have heaven's word for our peril. 
It is just as dangerous to do what we are not called to do as to neglect or leave undone the duty of our place. As the earth could not bear the act of Korah and his company in usurping another's authority, so the sea could not harbor Jonah, the runaway prophet. Refusing to be his escape route from God's command, the raging sea caused Jonah to be cast overboard. Nor would heaven harbor the angels once they had left their God-appointed place and office. That's from Jude 6. The ruin of many souls rushes in upon them at this door. First they break rank, then they are led further into temptation. Absalom first looked over the hedge in his ambitious thoughts. He would be a king. This wandering desire to go beyond his place led in the bloody sins of rebellion, incest, murder, and these at last delivered him into the hands of divine vengeance. The apostle joins order to steadfastness. I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith, Colossians 2.5. That army alone is invincible in which every soldier stands in close order, attending to his duty and content with his work. Number three, God does not hold you accountable for another man's work. Give an account of thy stewardship, the rich man said to his steward, Luke 16.2. The man was asked to justify his own affairs, not to give an account for what had been entrusted to someone else. Certainly we are to help one another. It is a serious sin not to assist a brother whom God has placed within the scope of your duty. But if, in reaching out to compensate for someone else's sin, you step beyond the boundaries of your own duty, there's a real danger of becoming an accessory to the very sin you're trying to prevent. God does not expect you to compensate for another man's negligence when it does not belong to your place and calling. We are to pray for judges to rule in the fear of God, but if they do not, we are not to don their robes, take the bench, and do their work for them. God requires no more than faithfulness in our place. Surely you would not find fault with an apple tree laden with apples because it did not produce figs or grapes. We expect these only from their proper root and stock. Spiritually speaking, that man is a fruitful tree in God's orchard who bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Psalm 1.3 Number four, you suffer needlessly when you bear burdens that God never intended you to carry. Before launching out into any undertaking, we should seriously ask ourselves how well-equipped we are to complete the task if a storm should overtake us. What folly to engage in an enterprise which will in all likelihood leave us shipwrecked and yet pay the charge of all the loss and trouble it puts us to. Do not expect comfort from God unless you can give him title to the business that you suffer for. The psalmist said in Psalm 44:22, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. But if suffering finds us out of our calling and place, we cannot say, For thy sake we are thus and thus afflicted. Rather, we must admit, For our own sakes. The Apostle Peter differentiates unmistakably between suffering as a busybody and suffering as a Christian. 
To the latter, he says, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The carpenter who cuts himself while working at his own trade accepts the mishap more graciously than one who injures himself through careless meddling with the saw. The needless sufferer has this to add to his pain. He can expect nothing from anyone but a sound rebuke. The same is true of the Christian who comes to harm by interfering in someone else's affair. A child who gets hurt while gadding about away from home without permission suffers the added pain of a spanking from his father for his disobedience. Uh, So it is with a Christian. There is a fifth point here. I'm going to wait for the next time for that. That fifth point is a flighty spirit usually carries men out of their place and calling a flighty spirit. Oh my. And do connect with us next time. You can uh, get this book yourself, um, The Christian in Complete Armor. I hope that you will. It's a great book. Um, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.